Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Brownstein Policy Advisors John Cezala and Travis Norton joined Strategic Advisor Mark Baggage to provide analysis of Richard Cordray's exit as Director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPB's staying power with new leadership from OMB Director Mick Mulvaney, and an overview of what's on the horizon for the CFPB. Welcome back to another Brownstein podcast. This one's on Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, otherwise known as the CFPB. I'm joined by two great Brownstein employees, John Cezala and Travis Norton. Let me give you a little bit of introduction. John Cezala, policy advisor, works with an array of public and private corporations, private equity firms, investment partnerships, national trade associations, and nonprofit institutions, offering expertise on federal legislative regulatory and political matters. He is especially well known for his work in financial services arena, where he has helped bank and non-bank product and service providers navigate the House Financial Services Committee and Senate Banking Committee, as well as the rulemaking, supervisory, and enforcement activities of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. We're also joined by Travis Norton, Policy Advisor and Counsel, previously served as General Counsel to the House Financial Services Committee and as Staff Director of the Senate Banking Committee Subcommittee. Travis focuses much of his practice on financial services regulation, offering counsel on Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, SEC regulations, fintech and housing finance, financial institution regulation, and insurance policy. He also draws his experience as general counsel to the House Judiciary Committee to offer clients advice on intellectual property, bankruptcy, cybersecurity, and privacy issues. Again, welcome both of you. And today we want to talk about the CFPB. Not very controversial, right? You know, just a little bit of struggle of who's in charge over there. Uh, We had a lawsuit. We had an employee or a deputy director who was the director, kind of, maybe. And now we have the OMB director. Uh, Mick uh, Mulvaney is now the acting director. What the heck is going on there and what's going to happen next, I guess? And I'll start with you, John. I mean, what... I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty, but in the mind of the Trump administration, there is certainty. They have someone in charge, and they have taken command of the ship. Yeah, I think that's right. There's uh, a lot of uncertainty and not at all. And I think that the issues we're seeing transpire currently, you know, they've been in the making for a long time and really going back to when Dodd-Frank was enacted in 2010, the unique structure of the CFPB having a single director – um, being only removable for cause, being unappropriated. You know, a lot of these things have come to a head. People had realized that they were going to come to a head one and way someday, or another. Right? Yeah, one way or another. And Cordray's term, uh, Director Cordray's term, who's the first director of the Bureau, was set to expire in the summer of 2018. Uh, but as many of you know, and as we've discussed before, you know, he announced retirement. Um, that was the Friday after Thanksgiving. Uh, which had been projected as he wants to, and it sounds like today he will run for uh, governor in his home state of Ohio. And that set up a couple of things. As On Cordray's way out the door, he appointed Leandra English to be the deputy director of the CFPB, which puts her in line to be acting director upon his exit. Now, that was... According to their... Uh, statute of how they were set up. Correct, according to the Dodd-Frank Act. And then there was an open question as to whether or not the Trump administration could appoint its own deputy director, which 
it did, uh, you know, it, shortly after Cordray resigned and putting in place the Office of Management and Budget Director Mick Mulvaney mm-hmm. to be the CFPB director. And I think. Which is carrying both roles. Correct, yeah. So currently he's spending three days a week at the CFPB. I think it's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday, and spending the rest of his time at OMB. And while there were uh, fireworks may be expected. It actually got, I don't want to say entirely resolved because the litigation is ongoing, but you know, much of the question about who would be running the CFPB on a day-in and day-out basis was fairly quickly resolved. Um, there was a memo from the Department of Justice saying that they believed that the CFPB, or excuse me, that the Trump administration had the authority to appoint an acting director, which... Was through a separate act, a vacancy act, if I remember right, when a vacancy occurs, because I think the CFPB law did not specify if a vacancy occurs, and therefore there was a question of the executive power. Yeah, that's correct. And so we had this Department of Justice memo, which was one part, and I don't want to say did all that much, but probably the more uh, informative and impactful memo came from the general counsel of the CFPB, which agreed with the Department of Justice memo that the Trump administration, the White House, did have the authority to appoint an acting director. So mm-hmm. once that memo was handed down, you know, the litigation started. Um, Leander English you know, wanted a temporary restraining order on Mulvaney from entering the CFPB. That was unsuccessful. While the litigation remains ongoing, I think for all intents and purposes, Mulvaney is over there and you know operating much of the position of an acting director. What do you think, uh, Travis? Do you think the you know here we are? The question was how, how controversial will this be? And of course, these days you know it's all now compared to what, right? I mean, you know, we had tax reform going on. We had a uh, high-ranking, former high-ranking White House official, Flynn, plea deal. I mean, all kinds of, I mean, it's almost like, you know, four years ago, this would have been a pretty big issue in the sense of press coverage. But it kind of came up a couple days, a little activity, and then it's just died down. Do you think... Have we seen the end of this, or do you think Democrats and others will? I mean, is this a, a calling for Elizabeth Warren to get back up on the issue and pound away, or what? What do you think is going to happen here, or is it just kind of it is what it is, and people move on? Well, she actually um, took to the streets and went uh, over to the CFPB's building and uh, protested outside uh, in the midst of this controversy. I think you know, that's what senators should do. That's right. For a non-political agency. <laughs> right. There are some who believe that the controversy, uh, to the extent it garnered national press attention, was uh, almost by design to kind of propel um, Director Cordray into uh you know, the the governor's race in Ohio, and also really to elevate the profile of the bureau, which those who created it have always wanted it to have a more, uh, a higher prominence nationally, but it has struggled to kind of get the same name recognition as the SEC right. and uh, some of the other um, three-letter. Yeah, the um, FCC, the SEC, these kind of organizations. Yeah. So there are some who think that the controversy was a little bit manufactured, although it turned out there was um, a real question of uh, you know whether the Vacancies Reform Act or the Dodd-Frank Act was going to prevail. Um, I do think that to the extent this remains controversial, it highlights one of the critiques of the Bureau's structure, which is that the single director structure, whether you like the director who's in charge or dislike the director and the policy course that he or she charts for the Bureau, 
it does uh, portend that policy could change every five years with a new director uh, almost overnight. And that disruption and lack of continuity is uh, not something that the business community, the financial services industry, is looking forward to. So um, I think Director Mulvaney, uh, from his time on Financial Services Committee and now as uh, director at OMB. I think he is very familiar with the uh, need for businesses to have certainty. I don't think that um, his directorship will be as disruptive as many of the champions of the Bureau would anticipate it would be. But I do think we really are in for a sea change. The acting director uh, has put in a hiring freeze and kind of a freeze on new regulations. He's going back through a lot of the investigatory and enforcement actions that the Bureau has taken. What do you think will happen with those? I mean, there's quite a fit, you know, there's over 100 of these cases. Do you think they get settled out or just not dealt with? I think um, some of them will uh, actually proceed. I mean, some are big ones and some are just small. Some are big, some are small. But whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, there's always fraud in the consumer marketplace. Mm -hmm. And I think the director recognizes that. And there's a legitimate uh, role for government to to play in deterring and prosecuting those who are seriously violating the law in very flagrant ways and harming consumers. I think there's uh, always a rush to kind of prejudge uh, how those who, as a policymaker, might oppose what an agency does, or in this case, the very existence of the agency. And then when those people are put in charge of the, the agency, I think there is sort of an institutional dignity and integrity factor that um, while the director it's been widely reported, has panned the CFPB and been one of its chief critics uh, in his role as a representative from South Carolina, a member of the Financial Services Committee. I think once you're in the chair, the big chair at the Bureau, um, you really start to see it. You know, you're part of the, well, I guess there's a pending lawsuit called PHH to resolve whether you're part of the executive power (laughs) of the government or not. But Uh, you know, you you have some real responsibility and some real jurisdiction. I think anybody takes that seriously. Do, do you think, uh, and, and John, if you want to jump in on this one, do you think there's going to be a restructuring here? Or is, it, is this the end of this organization? Is it going to be this commission structure that people talked about? What do you think is going to, I mean, is it just, oh, we're going to roll back some rules, hire less people, and that's it? Or are they going to say, we're going to restructure this the way some had thought it should be in, in the beginning? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I think for you know those who have been pushing for uh, an entire elimination of the CFPB, and this is something that Travis hinted on, I think they're going to be disappointed. I think the CFPB has staying power. And to Travis's point, while it may be less aggressive in its rulemaking and enforcement activities with a new director, it is going to stick around and continue to do uh, some of those things. It's very rare in Washington when an agency is created or something of that nature is created, it just vanishes the next cycle. Yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's that's absolutely correct. And I mean, absent some cataclysmic change or cataclysmic 
uh, whether it's in the financial markets or some massive kind of Dodd-Frank 2.0 bill, which nobody sees on the horizon here in the right. short term, you know, the CFPB will continue to have staying power. And I think you know, also uh, where some of these folks might be disappointed is some of these questions about the constitutionality of the CFPB. I think there might be disappointment in actually seeing those types of things resolved. At, you know, Some of those challenges happened early on about the constitutionality of the Bureau. Mm-hmm. And then when Cordray was, you remember he was originally reset appointed by President Obama and then subsequently was confirmed, which delayed a lot of that legal action into the constitutionality. And now I think, you know, we're going to see some constitutional challenges, some questions raised about who is the actual acting director of the bureau. Mm -hmm. But before those issues get resolved, we could see a a new director actually nominated and confirmed by the Senate and the time that all of those issues are going through the legal process. So I think there's going to be disappointment in terms of getting some long-term certainty about mm-hmm. the Bureau, its structure, its constitutionality. But I think for uh, some businesses, we probably will see some greater certainty in terms of the process for engaging with the CFPB, how the investigation process works, things that Mulvaney is already looking at and trying to, I think, provide a little certainty in that arena. Is that, is that kind of a, from a business perspective, these are my words, and I'll take one of one you just used, it create, they want to see more certainty and a little more transparency in how the agency operates. So whatever those claims are, allegations that these businesses get by the agency, that they have a process that's a little more clearer than it is now, is that kind of what one of the pieces of the puzzle here is of the business or is it just there's an underlining issue that businesses don't like this at all because it's just too much it's more 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 regulation i think there there are two points i would make on this topic the first is that the business community over the past 6 years has been very frustrated by what it likes to call regulation by enforcement mm-hmm. this is ex post regulation uh, against behavior. You've got a brand new agency. It has new authorities that have never been conferred on an agency. Here I'm specifically referring to this ability to go out and uh, bring civil actions against actors for what is called abusive acts or practices. Mm -hmm. Um, The Bureau has a roving statute called uh, unfair, deceptive, or abusive acts and practices. We we in the industry call it UDAP, and that's with two A's. (laughs) The Federal Trade Commission has a UDAP statute with only one A. Uh, which stands for acts. So it does not have abusive authority. But the Bureau has never really told people what abusive is. You only learn about it when you go about your business and you find the CFPB knocking at your door. (laughs) So that goes to the kind of the transparency. They want more understanding before... Yeah, so, so they know what, they're think, what, what they should be working on, right? That's right. I think with a new agency, it uh, is just a matter of good government to kind of tell actors how it is that you will use your authority, what types of behavior is expected out of the business community, and to do that kind of on the front side ex ante rather than um, do it by uh, enforcement and then telling everybody that they ought to be reading the tea leaves on your enforcement actions, which Director Cordray actually uh, expressly said was his view of running the agency in March of 2016 to the Consumer Bankers Association. Um, I do think with respect to transparency and when the Bureau does provide guidance or rulemaking, 
Um, I do think this question of the commission uh, is not dead. Um, you saw in uh, the creation of it as a commission versus what what it is today. Or restructuring it, it, restructuring it from a single director to a commission. Mm-hmm. You saw in Chairman Jeb Henserling's uh, first draft of the Financial Choice Act, which mm-hmm. was his sort of um, repeal and replace uh, alternative to the Dodd Frank Act. You know, you saw uh, a, a commission structure for the CFPB. Um, the Republican uh, nominee won the uh, White House and. In Choice 2.0, you saw that they left it as a single director. I think, um, you know, reading the tea leaves there, uh, this is for the purpose of having uh, somebody with, you know, more nimble. A single director can more easily go in and recalibrate the agency. But I think at some point there will be a detente and you'll have kind of this uh, bipartisan desire to create a commission. And that's not just for... The purpose of allowing um, diverse viewpoints to go into a, a rulemaking or a decision to bring an enforcement action, but it's also, again, for this question of continuity. Here you have Director Cordray leaving. You have Mick Mulvaney coming in, who is who generally knows about the Bureau, but certainly doesn't know about its day-to-day operations. And when you have somebody... Uh, when you have something that might look a little bit more like the Securities and Exchange Commission, even if you have um, Mary Jo White leave one day, you've got a few other commissioners who kind of have experience pick up the slack. and knowledge and exactly. background on it. So I think that for a few years, uh, so long as we have a Republican president, I think we'll see maybe a single director structure. But I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple years everybody gets together and says, okay, Cordray, you've had your fun. Mulvaney or successor uh, director, you've had your fun on behalf of your party. Let's all um, mm-hmm. you know, get in a room and, and figure this thing out and turn it into a commission. From the, you know, I, th- I think of some of the clients that we have here at Brownstein and some of the work that we do. So this one is one where we have to kind of keep the clients informed, but dramatic changes, I think, as you said, John, are not in the cards early, but there might be something down the road, as Travis indicated, that we should be keeping our eyes on as things start to materialize, because we may obviously want to influence that or have conversation about that and how that affects uh, the group. But the advisement now is kind of, there's going to be some review of probably regulation and those kinds of things, which is where we'll spend a lot of time, but statutorily, probably not anything dramatic is going to happen in the next couple of years, but the makings of something could be kind of underneath the surface that we have to watch on behalf of our clients. Is that a fair analysis as I'm kind of hearing the conversation here? Yeah, I think that's a a fair analysis. And there are still rulemakings, for example, that are in the pipeline of the CFPB Mm -hmm. that folks are going to want to monitor and see how they progress forward, if at all. You know, you'll remember earlier this year we had a Congressional Review Act, a resolution of disapproval to block the CFPB's mandatory arbitration rule. So right. that's that mattered to not just kind of traditional brick-and-mortar bank institutions and card providers, but really across financial services and products. People cared about it. A lot of people cared about right. the arbitration rule. And you, you can remember how difficult it was or how long it actually took for – the CRA challenging that rule to ultimately be successful. Now, we do have other rules that are currently in the pipeline that have been finalized, such as the 
uh, payday lending rule. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, Mulvaney has specifically been asked about his plans around the rule, and he's said that you know congressional use of the CRA is an opportunity there, and that he is not. You know, personally, it's a Congressional Review Act for people who may not know what that is, but that's where they can come in and make a decision. That's correct. By 51 votes in the Senate. That's correct. To reject it. And then there are a variety of other rules that are either in some stage of early proposed or proposed rulemaking, such as rules around debt collection, overdraft, student Mm -hmm. loan servicing, credit reporting. And you'll remember that in a lot, unlike the mandatory arbitration rule, which was pretty much object, you know, pretty much objected to by a variety of players across the industry, I say across the board. Yep, some yeah. of these rules aren't that crisp and clean, and I think the uh, payday lending rule is one of those where there are actually fractures and divisions in the industry, depending on the type of entity you are, or the type of loans that you provide, or the type of servicing that you do. And there are, you know, some players uh, in this industry, some who we've represented who never objected to the creation of the CFPB and you know, found that they actually appreciated having a certain, a, rules, regu- right? a, certain, a certain regulator, a certain set of rules by which everyone was going to play by versus maybe prior to the Dodd-Frank Act, not knowing exactly which regulatory body would be responsible mm-hmm. for you or your industry or for your product. So you know, there is an opportunity here, and we could see uh, a Republican director probably not moving at the pace that we saw Director Cordray move at, but still exploring some of these various options where you could create kind of sound across-the-board regulation for certain products that you know, currently don't live under a clean regulatory regime. Do, do you think Trump will, President Trump will bring forward a nominee fairly quickly, or and I'm, I'm, as I'm saying this question, I'm processing in my mind that I guess if, if I was him, I'd get it done sooner than later, because why would you want to drag this debate into 2018 elections? I don't know. Travis. Well, I um, I might drag it out. Go on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the directorship, the term of the directorship is five years. So uh, if I were this president, I might even uh, try to drag this out. Now, look, Director Mulvaney has other duties. Um Important job, Office of Management Budget. Actually, there's a budget due come spring. Exactly. (laughs) And, you know, there's an optical issue that you have um, a guy splitting his time between two very busy Mm -hmm. agencies and uh, therefore is probably giving short shrift to each of them. They could probably cut the OMB salary costs down a little bit. Exactly. Just saying. (laughs) Um, But I do think the politics of finding a nominee uh, that um, can get uh, you know, 51 votes in the Senate. That won't be the hard part. I think the question is on timing, mm-hmm. that if you um, were to put install somebody uh, whose term, for example, took effect in 2019, if you could get that far with the Vacancies Act, you could effectively deny the next president, uh, whether uh, if if oh, good this point. president right. were to uh, lose re-election, stand for re-election and lose, in 2020, you could effectively deny the next president the opportunity to to name a director. I just go back, if I could, um, you know, just on a few things that I think we might see in the near term. Uh, the Humda rules. The, this is the um, Home Mortgage Disclosure Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dodd Frank Act uh, required which lenders. is that big document you get when you do a loan. <laughs> it's this this big piece of yes. paper no one reads, uh, but hum- they sign it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, there are a few different things you get, and I think two two things that will uh, are likely to. Um, be changed through regulatory clarification in the near term. One is that Humda requires lenders to really go out and collect a lot of different 
um, data points on a borrower, and the, the number of data points required to be collected increased with Dodd-Frank, and the new tranche of data points, uh, keep, they, they keep going into effect mm-hmm. and subsequently. So I think that there might be a delay on that. I think uh, there's this – Dodd-Frank also directed the Bureau to um, merge – uh, the TILA, the Truth in Lending Act, and the Real Estate Settlement Procedures Act, TILA and RESPA, into a single document that you get when you apply for a home mortgage into what we now call TRID, TILA, RESPA, Integrated Disclosure. Uh, <laughs> there have been a lot of cleanup issues. I, I will say this as a, as a person who was a former real estate agent, uh, we hate all this. Uh, because the poor consumer, what usually you have is more and more paper which the consumer honestly has less and less interest to read because they're more interested in show me the one thing that matters, which is what do I pay each month and what's my interest rate? Yeah, I, mean, I hate to say that, but I mean, you know, and, and I'm sure my former Democratic colleagues would have a heart attack for me saying what I just said, but it is, there's an amount of information you want. But if you go too much information, the consumer loses interest. I mean, you think about the documents we continually get and get less of it now because of some regulation change, but of the disclosure we get every year for our credit cards, which are in four-point type style. <laughs> uh, well, luckily, there are bills to deal with both. Right. Um, right. Uh, but, you know, the TRID, I, I think the TRID document people generally support on both sides, the idea of merging those documents yeah, down into up, one. Make it simple. Um, but there were some uh, things that Dodd-Frank put in where even if I improve the offer that I can give you in your loan on rate, it resets like a three-day cooling off period. So anyway, there are a couple uh, kind of lingering issues from TRID implementation that I think the director will probably take a look at. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but just more broadly, um, let's not forget that the Consumer Financial Protection Act, which is Title Ten of the Dodd-Frank Act, this is the statute of the CFPB, it gave the, the director and the new bureau a lot of authority, but it also Im- really had a, a relationship to state attorneys general. I think throughout the Cordray era, when the director could not himself uh, effectuate a policy because of you know resistance from Congress or he didn't feel like he had the authority in the statute, uh, state attorneys general really worked, especially in Democrat, those who held office who were Democrats, really worked closely with the director, bringing enforcement actions, um, that, this kind of thing. There's a part of the CFPA that says that when the Bureau makes a rule and it's final, the attorneys general of the states can go and enforce that rule as well. So it gives kind of a states' rights issue or state implementation ability yes, on there, a federal law. It, the, the state uh, state attorneys general uh, were empowered by uh, the Dodd Frank Act mm-hmm. in this way, and I think that um, if you have some folks that uh, are forlorn for the Cordray days, I think that the in their view the fight is not really over because they have authority now to implement the small dollar lending rule or. Mm-hmm. Um, any of the other rules that the Bureau has put out. And that kind of goes back to this regulation by enforcement point, which is the business community is a little torn by that, right? I I want you to make a rule so that I know the rules of the road I have to live by, but I don't want you to make too many rules because then I have not only a CFPB director, but 50 state attorneys general. With uh, different interpretations or different mechanism how they enforce. In different political ambitions. Right, right. And, and if I were to sum up what Travis said, you know, I think one key takeaway here is that the 
you know, the torch is not being extinguished as it relates to consumer financial product right. and service regulation. It's really being passed, at least for the time being, and being passed to the states. And we mm-hmm. already see certain states such as New York, California, Illinois, one that should be top of mind, uh, really kind of taking up a lot of the issues that the CFPB has traditionally been the lead on and deciding that they are going to prosecute the case forward by whether it's enacting new regulations to protect consumers or taking additional enforcement actions, that they are going to be the leading indicator here in this arena. Do you think, and let me close off on this, and that is the the CFPB is, you know, uh, for some Democratic senators is a calling card, right? It's a big issue for them. They they utilize it, talk a lot about it, probably will be in the next year uh, with this kind of, feeling that now it's just going to be a couple of years of not a real big dramatic shift. Do you think there's going to be any big food fight on this that's going to be national in the sense that as when it got created, it was a big deal? But do you think that's going to happen between now and election year of 18? Is, is this one of those issues that Democrats might sit and say, hey, this is worth for us to take the fight on because it's it's a political advantage uh, knowing that not much is going to change for a couple of years. No, I, well, I think that this will continue to be, at least for the next year and potentially beyond, a very partisan political issue. And I think mm-hmm. you're right that Democrats see the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and regulation of, quote-unquote, Wall Street or other products and services mm-hmm. providers as a political winner. That being said, you know, during the Obama administration, he wore a tan suit, and that was controversial. Right. I think in the current administration, there are a lot of issues, uh, bigger issues that are uh, sucking kind of the life out of what otherwise would be important issues. So I don't think that the CFPB is going to kind of rise up and be a top-line front-page article on a day-in and day-out basis. But you know, I think we will continue to discuss these issues you know, as Travis said, this this agency has staying power, and I think we're just going to see a continuing repackaging of various issues that have and will continue to be debated. So whether it goes back to a single director versus a commission structure, whether the president has the ability to appoint an acting director, what their rulemaking and enforcement activity looks like, all those things will continue to be discussed because this agency isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Any last comments, Travis? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the 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 attention the bureau gets a lot of attention when it is sort of the cop on the beat for the other news of the day. Mm-hmm. Whether that's Wells Fargo, I think that the arbitration uh, fight played out a little bit nationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Democrats got some traction with their talking points on it. Uh, obviously, the bureau is at the center of that. I think if we see uh, more. Um, uh, data breaches or uh, any kind of massive fraud mm-hmm. or, God forbid, another... selling, things like that. Exactly. Uh, financial crisis that's linked to a consumer uh, service or a consumer product. I think then the Bureau will kind of jump back into the headlines. But it otherwise lives uh, in relative obscurity compared mm-hmm. to its brother and sister agencies. And I think, again, just to circle back, that was probably some of the impetus behind uh, making a big to-do about 
this lawsuit challenging who is the Who's right charge acting director at the moment. So let me ask you. So now we're in the holiday season. I've asked some others in some other podcasts we've done. It's, uh, you know, it's the question. And I want you to kind of fill in the, the blank here. And that is so we're in Washington, D.C. It's uh, all kinds of activity. It doesn't have to be related just to CFPB. But if the question is asked, all I want for Christmas is what would you fill in the next line with? Just so the listeners are wondering, they're both looking at each other like, I don't know, maybe they're not Christmas spirit people. I don't know. Travis, what do you, what, what would you fill in? A fireplace, uh, a Bordeaux, and a day <laughs> off from work. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I'll take a simple vacation somewhere much warmer than we're about to get in Washington. There we go. As I tell people on the other podcasts, all I want is Congress actually work together and do something together for just once. And, and well, as, be... we, as we speak, the Senate Banking Committee is marking up a, a very bipartisan uh, regulatory relief bill that touches on CFPB and a variety of other issues. Um, there are four on-committee Democrats and now eight uh, off-committee Democrats who have supported it, uh, which by my math means that That's we have a filibuster-proof bill. And uh, we'll have to see where it goes. But folks in town are optimistic. So banking regulatory relief bills didn't make my Christmas list this year, <laughs> but I'm glad they made Travis's. There we go. Thank you both very much. Have a great holiday. And thanks for participating. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Visit www.bhfs.com for more information.